0: Welcome to the Think Factory podcast. We got one question for you What keeps you up at night? Hello, and welcome to the Women's Roundtable podcast powered by the Think Factory, where we learn how women think big and grow their business. My name is Susan Kleiner. I'm a partner with Outside General Counsel Solutions, and I am the host of today's episode. I'm happy to have with me today Stephanie Lamacusa, the Executive Director of Vineland Treatment Center, which is a Pinnacle Treatment Center. Stephanie is also a licensed therapist. Stephanie, it's so good to have you here today. I'm so honored to have you here, and it's been a joy getting to know you and hear more about your story. First of all, tell me a little bit about Pinnacle and your position as Executive Director.
1: Hi, Susan. Thank you for having me. I'm glad to be here. Um, I'm the executive director of Vineland Treatment Services with Pinnacle, and I oversee the clinical, medical, and financial aspects of an outpatient opioid treatment program utilizing medicated assisted treatment. We roughly service uh, 550 patients with a 30 team member uh, staff, and we are one of the faster growing de novos within Pinnacle, so we had a really fast growth within two years of the company.
0: So you've had a lot of patients in the past two years. That's amazing, So tell me more about your other work.
1: So I'm also a licensed uh, clinician and therapist, and I work at a private practice holding a small caseload that I meet with uh, clients during the week. And then I also provide outside supervision for individuals that are working towards their licensure in the field.
0: So it's been really interesting for me lately. I don't know about you, but when i when I'm uh, watching TV or reading books, and i feel like now is the point in time where we're starting to reflect back on the pandemic you know where they go back and you can see that they're living through the pandemic and i think that that you know offers us this great opportunity to be reflective and i think your story and you know the growth of the violent treatment center is actually remarkable so i want to set this up for the audience and then i want to talk to you some more about it so your your treatment center opened up March eleventh, 2019, right? Yes. And it was the first provider in a 30 to 40 mile radius, correct? Yes. And so we all know that, you know, we have, we're facing this opioid epidemic. I think it's hit, you know, that area, tough, just like other parts of, of New Jersey and the country. So March 11, 2019, you open one year later, almost to the day, you know, pandemic. Yeah. So So what did you do? How did you survive? Um, Ultimately, we just
1: had to survive. Um, And with that being said, we had to remain calm um, and really figure out how to get through it. So as the executive director, I had to remain calm for my staff and my patients because at that point a year later, we had roughly 300 and so clients. Um, so we had to figure out how do we continue to medicate these clients and provide them the clinical treatment to maintain their recovery and their sobriety without stopping because the whole world, we all thought the world was going to come to a stop for two weeks. We thought it was just going to be two weeks. Right. Um, so, you know, how do we continue this where we're a very face to face program Um And we had to continue. We didn't have a choice to stop. So what we did, what I had to do was very closely monitor the federal guidelines from the CDC for what was acceptable and, you know, precaution for COVID, while also looking at what the guidelines were for medicated-assisted treatment and clinical treatment and how do we do that safely for the clients and the staff. Um, So we really had to make sure the clients were safe, the staff were safe, and everybody was still getting the treatment and the employment that had to be provided. Um, I think the key part for me was making sure that everybody had open lines of communication. Everybody understood what was going on and everybody was getting exactly what they needed.
0: Wow. So it's like it was like keep calm and carry on. But, like, talk about it and communicate about it. I mean, so when that happened, did you actually see an increase in the need for services during the pandemic? You know, what happened with your clients?
1: Um, it was definitely they were concerned of how am I going to continue services? They didn't want it to stop because a lot of other outpatient providers did stop services. Um, because, you know, treatment is a face-to-face, person-to-person modality. So they were concerned that this was just going to stop how everything else shut down. And that's not something that this modality of medicated-assisted treatment can be provided. The medication needs to be provided daily. Um, So we had to figure out how do we continue dosing? How do we continue treatment? And I think the key was ensuring that everybody understood the safety guidelines and protocols so there was a time that there was myself and a select handful of medical providers in the building with select few clients at a time to ensure the 15 foot rule and how many in a provided square foot to avoid, you know, passing COVID or getting it and doing this for hours upon days to make sure everybody received treatment while all the clinicians were at home providing telehealth services. So You know, while everybody else was shut down and stayed home for two weeks, I probably worked the most during, you know, that first month of March.
0: Yeah. And of course, obviously, it ended up being a lot longer than two weeks. So, I mean, you had plenty of time to like refine and continue to refine, you know, what you were doing and how you were reacting. And I imagine the fact I mean, you're an executive director, but you also described yourself as a clinician at heart. And I imagine that that mindset of being a clinician really helped you uh, in dealing with your clients and your staff and, you know, maintaining your business, right?
1: Yes. I think the key part of remembering, you know, the clinician at heart and providing that safe space to everybody, um, whether it's coming from me to my staff, to my clients, to any other individual is we're all human. Uh we all have a need. We all need a safe space and providing that to every single person that walks through our door uh to ensure that they're being heard, they're being provided the services that they need in a safe way.
0: Wow. So so with all that being said, I mean, I, unfortunately, you know, we're still dealing with COVID, right? It's it's different than it was. You know, thank God like the panic, you know, that we experienced early on is over. It's not done yet. But can you look back to, you know, the past couple of years and say that there's something that you really learned or there's a takeaway from your experience uh, in leadership during the pandemic?
1: Yeah. So one thing that I learned was that uh, to embrace the change and just trust that it will all work out. Uh, I was very scared internally of what this change was going to be. What was it going to look like? How is this all going to work out? What am I going to do? This is brand new territory. You know, those were all real internal fears that I had to process and somewhat Keep internal and, you know, kind of process myself because I could not bring that to the table to the rest of my team. So in doing that, I really had to learn to embrace the change, find that silver lining. And how do I take full control of this opportunity to bring a positive out of this? Um, and how do we work with what we have to move forward with this new opportunity? Even though it was a pandemic, it seemed like a bad thing. It seemed like, you know, the world was coming to an end. But how do we make a positive out of this? So I would say I learned to just really embrace the change and trust that it will work.
0: So how did you get support like during this time period?
1: Yeah, I have to give full credit to the team that I have at Pinnacle Treatment Centers. Uh, My fellow executive directors within the state of New Jersey are my ultimate, ultimate support system. Um, Huge shout out to them. Without my uh, fellow EDs, I would not be where I am throughout my journey. Just us being able to talk to each other, process things. Bounce ideas off of each other, kind of vent at the end of the day, come up with new ideas, being able to send an email, a phone call, just get feedback. I truly believe that having that open communication of support system and the availability when needed really helped me help my team. Um, so it's not something that one person can do alone. And I do believe that having your tribe that helps you is what really makes the difference.
0: So so you could really be there for them and they were there for you. And that really contributed to your success. Yeah. And I and I imagine to a certain extent too, kind of what you're saying, though, also reflects a level of vulnerability. Right. Like, even though these are your peers, I imagine that you had to be open and honest about, you know, the fears that you had, what was going on, you know, and being able to, like, fess up and, and not be Pollyanna. Everything's good all the time. Is that Right.
1: Yeah. So, you know, as an executive director and being in a certain level of management, we kind of have this saying where things are supposed to roll up and not roll down. So you don't want to let certain things roll down to your team. And that's when you have to roll up and you look at your coworkers that are on the same level as you. So having a team of EDs where it's not just me alone, we're able to have that table discussion of what's working for you. What doesn't work for you? How do we come together? Or I tried this and it didn't work. Just being able to collaborate and discuss and kind of build off of each other is really what helps us bring our teams up so we can have that safe space for us to be vulnerable, and then we can make our team better.
0: That's really great. I mean, and and so great, like in the pandemic, to really rely on that and know that you have that team. So I have another question for you, you know, because we were sort of talking about it before in terms of, you know, rolling up. How would you describe your style of leadership? I'm just going to add here, because obviously, This is a podcast, so people are listening and they're not seeing you. I'm just going to add for the record that like you're a pretty young leader, right? Like you're, you're a young executive director. And so I always think that that's really interesting when talking about leadership because not only, you know, like, you know, you're, you're, you're a new executive director, you're a new leader, you're also young. I'm curious, what is your style of leadership?
1: So my style of leadership is really keeping it basic and keeping it real in the sense of leaving the door open, having honest communication, being able to make myself available to my team, having conversations that need to be had in real time, being able to help them in the good times, the bad times, having conversations that are back and forth, being a true team player, working side by side by them, being in the moment with them, um, helping them in person along the way if they're having an issue with a client or situation, being there with them and not directing them. I really think having that rapport as co-worker, like a team member, like a side by side rather than I'm an above you is what I really value is because everybody in that building, we all need each other um there's not a day that we all can't function without each other and we we need to build each other up every single day so just as important as my role is so is theirs so i really like to keep the daily check-ins how are you how's it going how's life how's home life how's school going you know, what are your goals this week, this year? And then, you know, talk about work and how can we do better at work? So having that roundabout open conversation and rapport um, and just keeping it basic and simple and just being humans. That's that's my role. That's how I go.
0: I definitely hear you. I mean, you keep it real um and you. It sounds like you're, you know, you're, you're real, you're sympathetic. And like you said, you know, you, you get to know your people. I imagine it also helps too, though, that you're like a mission driven organization, right? Like everybody plays an important role in delivering really vital services, you know, and, and I imagine that helps too.
1: So that's a big key, too, is that we all have to have the same goal. Uh, so my job as an executive director is linking that clinical piece with the corporate piece. So my job is to kind of interpret the corporate goals and values and missions and link it with the clinical team and how do we provide those services in real life? Because, you know, we can take numbers and words, but what does it look like in real life and how do we do that? So my job, I like to say, is kind of marry those two and kind of make it one and make it a unity and make it human, make it real, make it um, sympathetic and something that has value rather than somebody that's driving and pushing numbers and trying to meet, you know, like a a goal. So linking those two is really important. And like you said, having that common goal at the end of the day is really what keeps us on the same page.
0: So what do you wish you had known when you were first starting out? I mean, uh, on this journey, uh, you know, that you're now executive director, We didn't really talk about your career path, but you obviously didn't start off in that kind of leadership. But looking back, what do you wish you had known when you were first starting out? When I
1: was first starting out, I think I would tell myself um, to really embrace the change that you're going to experience and just trust that it's going to work out, Um, to really just find that silver lining, just learn and roll with the new opportunities that come your way and just kind of trust the process and lean into that journey.
0: And, you know, what words of encouragement would you have, you know, if you could go back and talk to your younger self?
1: If I could talk to my younger self, I would tell her to don't let your own fears hold you back from doing something. Just really learn to to push yourself out of that comfort zone. Learn how to not be content and find your true happiness and just really push yourself and don't let fear get in your way.
0: For sure. I mean, it is cliche, but it's so true, right? Like it is. so much of it is about, you know, not letting fear get in the way. So what's next for you? Like, what are you excited about? I am excited to
1: continue growing. Um, I love just improving myself, improving educationally, professionally, uh, just personally. I'm looking forward to 2024. I have some travel plans coming up, so I'm looking to travel next year. I haven't done that in a while. Um, so we'll see what comes of that. Maybe there's, there'll be a new journey traveling
0: abroad. That sounds great. All right. So the one question we ask everyone from the Think Factory podcasts is what keeps you up at night? Oh,
1: well, if my dogs want to go out at 2am, they definitely keep me up. Oh, that's the worst. (laughs) It is. It is. But I think one thing that definitely keeps me up at night stress-wise is um, when something's left unsaid. I think there's something important about communication um, within a relationship with anybody in your life, whether it's a significant other, friends or family, that um, if you leave something unsaid, that there's an unfinished conversation or just something's not clarified or just something you never got off your chest. So I really think it's important to really have the deeper conversations, tell people you love them, kind of have that deeper deeper connection conversation and just don't leave anything left unsaid because you really don't know, um, you know, if you'll ever have a chance to say it.
0: That's great advice. Um, So where can people follow you?
1: So one little secret about me is that I do have a podcast of my own with one of my best friends. Um, So it is called Tell Me How You Really Feel. You can find it on any other podcast platform. So we are two best friends that are therapists and we discuss therapeutic topics, and we share our own trauma bonds <laughs> through humor and personal stories. So it is not for uh, the lighthearted, and you have to like a little bit of dark humor. So we try to bring a different side to social work and therapy uh, by making fun of ourselves and, you know, having
0: a drink with it. Uh, that sounds great. So you said it's called Tell Me How You Really Feel. Yes, Tell Me How You Really Feel. Well, I'll definitely give that a listen. And hopefully some of our listeners, if they're looking for a laugh and some dark humor, you know, hopefully they'll listen, too. So I want to thank you so much for your time today. And I'd like to remind our listeners to be sure to check out the other Women's Roundtable podcasts so you can learn how women think big and grow their business. Thanks so much.
1: Thank you for having me, Susan. I appreciate it.